Welcome back to the NP Dude. This is episode 11. This is Jeff, the NP Dude, and I am giving nurse practitioners a voice. And by that, I mean I want to hear from you so that I can be your voice. I want people to comment and questions and concerns, issues. I want to hear, Jeff, you suck. I want to hear it all. And I want to hear how I can fix it and make it better if it's not good. Um, I am getting a lot of good feedback so far on the Facebook pages, a couple of good emails, um, and uh, some good suggestions about what we can talk about. So as you might hear, i got some background noise. I'm driving home from the office, first day at the new uh, practice, and everything was great. Just a great group of people. So hopefully things stay that way, right? Um, so we'll, we'll be talking about some of the, the day-to-day things that as I learn and uh, so that I don't blow, you know, violate any HIPAA laws and things like that. We'll figure out a way to make that happen. But today, I want to talk about a couple things that are out there, mostly legal related. One of them is Ohio specific, and I'll save that for the second half of the discussion. But the first thing that I want to talk about is really relating to a comment that I see all the time on Facebook. I see it all the time in blogs, and it's about the RN that has gotten their MSN degree and they are licensed as a nurse practitioner or not and uh, they're concerned. They hear rumors about uh, whether they can practice as a registered nurse after they get their advanced degree and if so what level of liability attaches to them and some of the things that maybe they should be worried about and maybe the things that they you know are just overblown and, and ridiculous. So to start off with that the, the simple answer is yes you can work as a registered nurse because you are still a registered nurse. Now there's always caveats when you have an expanded scope of practice available to you. So one of the things that you want to be aware of when you're a registered nurse, get your MSN, doesn't matter if you're licensed or not, you could be in some circles. As an attorney, I would say you could be held to a higher standard of care than someone else. So that doesn't mean that you can't work as an RN. It just means that if you're working as an RN with an advanced degree, they're going to hold you to the standard of what a reasonably prudent nurse practitioner working as an RN would do. Right? And that's the debate. And if you haven't listened to uh, my previous episode on malpractice, and I don't have my number listed right here in front of me, but just use the search uh, bar to the right of the episodes. You can search malpractice. It was only a handful of episodes ago. And if you look at that and listen to that, that, that podcast, it gives some basic malpractice terms and uh, gives you a good guideline for this episode. So this might be a good stopping point. Go listen to that episode and then come back and listen to this one. But the standard of care for you is the argument that we run into, and I'm not going to rehash that other episode, but that's the, the sticking point in most medical malpractice cases. So what, what the scenario can happen? What is the problem? So you're an RN, you graduate, you're working, you can't find a job yet, you keep working, you get your license squared away, but you keep working, uh, so you're now a licensed nurse practitioner, and it doesn't matter what field it is, you can still work as a registered nurse. Now, the, the, the issue that you come up against is if a, a nurse practitioner with your extra skill and knowledge 
would have noticed what um, an RN, an enhanced RN should should notice, then you might be held to that standard. And that's the concern. Now, here's the issue. You got that advanced degree so that you can notice those things, so that you could be um, more knowledgeable and be more more experienced in in doing you know your advanced practice degree right so that should be the standard now that doesn't mean that your scope of practice changes and this is where things deviate a little bit your scope of practice as an RN is that you take verbal written orders and you execute them per the written orders as they are or per, per the protocol which is adopted as standard standard orders for that unit if you have a physician say to you, oh, I hear you're a new licensed nurse practitioner, why don't you go ahead and put those order in, orders in under you, whether you're you know, credentialed with that facility or not, you can't do that. That's not the scope of practice that you're employed with. So this is where I'm going to deviate from the healthcare situation system in general and talk more about what employment liability is. And this is really where you're going to go. This is more of an employment law scope question. When you are hired as an employee, you will do two things. There's two things that apply. There's what's called scope of authority, and then there's scope of practice. Those are the two legal standards that they're going to evaluate, whether you're doing something that you should or shouldn't be doing. If you do something that is contractual in nature, um, you know, you go and buy a, a, a car on behalf of your your uh, company that you're working for, and you really weren't authorized to do so. Whether you were acting within or outside of the scope of your authority on behalf of the organization would be an, a subject of debate on who's going to pay for the car if it gets wrecked or they can't repossess it or it's gone or whatever. The scope of practice is really what the scope that you hire that employee for. So in this instance, it's going to be a registered nurse. You're going to work on, on you know, in ICU. You're going to work on the oncology floor. You're going to work in a you know, long-term care facility. Whatever the scope is that you're going to do, and you're going to carry out the orders as executed as any other registered nurse on that unit. So it doesn't matter what your licenses are. You can still practice in, as long as it's clear that your scope of practice does not exceed what that typically would be for a registered nurse. And that's it. It's really that simple. There's really not much to it. But everybody gets concerned because they think, oh, well, wait a second, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm now have heightened standard of care. Well, that's, that may very well may be true. And as an attorney, if I was a plaintiff's attorney suing you in the hospital and the physicians that took care of grandma and did a bad job, you bet your bottom dollar I would sue you and I would be looking at you as saying, wait a second, she was acting within her scope of authority, within her scope of practice, and oh, by the way, even if she wasn't within her scope of practice, she should have known with her expert skill, knowledge, and training as a, as a licensed advanced practice nurse that even though she was working as a registered nurse, she should have known better and would have noticed, you know, the, the droopy right side of her face and that she was having a stroke or whatever it would be. But in reality, there's really no difference in what you're going to be doing in the hospital setting anyways. So it, would you freak out about it? Not really. If you're really that concerned about it, a, a medical um, malpractice policy is going to be anywhere from 1000 to $2,000. Yeah, it stinks that you're not in your APRN practice yet, if you're still working as an RN, 
uh, and it might be a little expensive to do that, but it might be worth it. So that that might ease your mind a little bit if you're really that concerned about it. In my opinion, and this is just as a as a practitioner, I wouldn't personally freak out about it. I just wouldn't. Um, now, as an advanced practice nurse, I have a policy for that because I now have two jobs and I have one for that covers me regardless of which company I'm working with at that time. So I'm acting within my scope of practice per the state board of nursing as an advanced practice nurse that covers me. So um, I wouldn't freak out about it. It's not that big a deal uh, that I would, I would get too concerned. So if you guys have specific questions on this or you see something different in a different state, then by all means, let me know. I want to hear from you guys about this, but I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's pretty standard everywhere. No one's going to say, you know, that you can't practice as an RN without having, you know, if you have that other license. So the other thing, and this is going to be a pretty short episode today, so the other thing that I want to talk about, and there's been some debate on the Ohio Nurse Practitioner uh, Facebook page about the number of hours that you need for continuing educations, and I've had some of my friends calling me, I've had personal messages, I've had, I don't know, probably six, yeah, maybe not that many, four or five questions in the last four or five days about, all right, now that we're licensed, what do we do? Uh, what's the concern with where we are now and what's coming down the line? So those of you that have uh, that are not Ohio, feel free to tune into the other shows um, and uh, like and share on Facebook as much as possible. We're getting some good hits out there. Really impressed. Had a stellar day the other day. It was absolutely amazing. Um, didn't put a show out yesterday and um, I just a couple comments on Facebook and it was it was pretty impressive the number of people that actually went and downloaded the shows just from just from hearing word of mouth and and um, seeing other shares and whatnot so go ahead and turn off if you're bored if you want to hear what's going on in Ohio awesome uh, Ohio right now we're still in that flux period before the new House Bill 216 law gets gets kicked in which is April 4th and again I apologize I lied to you guys I said April 6th before it's April 4th so what the law was, and somebody correct me because I read the, f- the whole friggin' statute pertaining to continuing educations and hours and all that good stuff, and the way the law was written currently up until April 4th of 2017 is that you have to have 24 hours of continuing education for your RN license. One of those hours has to be lost. So this is nothing new to us. That part is, that that's what we were thinking as a regular RN. But when you add in your APRN license, it added a, a section in the statute that said, and you have to maintain certification with a nationally recognized accreditation body. So AANP or ANCC. So those both require, and I'm AANP, so I know it's 100 hours for AANP. I'm pretty darn sure it's the same for ANCC, and they both will require 25 hours of pharmacology for that certification, and that's every five years. So if we've got our certification, we're good for five years. We don't need to worry about it until after the new law's in place. So that's not even a big deal. So that's what the law used to be. It didn't say anything specific about number of hours of continuing education for advanced practice nurses. That's the way the law is written currently, as of today, in February 8th, 2017. Now, 
in April 4th of this year, House Bill 216 gets enacted. And what they're going to do is they're going to require that you have 24 hours of RN and one hour of that still has to be laws. So that's the same as it was before. But now, instead of saying you have to have your accreditation with a certifying body, which you do, they've added in, oh, and by the way, you need to have 24 hours of CEs for APRN for your CNP license. And what that's going to do is that's going to make it so that in reality you have 48 hours total that you have to have every two years. But if you look back the way it used to be with ANCC or AANP, if you, add, if you averaged it out, it comes out to 20 hours a year. So really you're only doing an extra four compared to what you were doing with ANCC or AANP. And this sounds confusing, but when you boil it down, it's you got to do 48 hours. 12 of the APRN have to be for the um, pharmacology. And then the other 12 can be whatever you want it to be through the recognized, uh, through the, recognized by the Board of Nursing. Now, I was talking to, to um, the office manager today, who's an NP, and she was telling me that the way it works is that you want to make sure that you're getting... CEs that are specific to an accrediting body. So AANP or ANCC, those are the ones you want to do that are the safest bet because if you get audited, they're going to go through with a fine tooth comb and if you lose a couple hours here and there, it might be pushing you below the limit. So there's another thing that she suggested is just do a boatload of CEs, do them through AANP, do them through ANCC, OAAPN, uh, has links to some, I believe, as well. So by all means, do as many as you can. And she does a ridiculous amount. She does like 100 and some a year. She's like, yeah, I'm not going to get caught. And she's like, I just, I'll, I'll do as many as I can. And sometimes you get good information out of it, and that's great. And so I tend to agree with that. So, again, you can do the buprenorphine waiver training, which is uh, a 24-hour right there. And 12 of it counts as your pharmacology. So if you were concerned about getting enough hours for this year, but as new grads from last year, we've, we had our pharmacology within five years, so we really don't need to worry about it. Uh, that that's but if you want to be safe do the waiver training it's it's free uh, you know i already put links in in one of the sh the show notes uh so take a look at that that's a good one and I, I i'm still only about halfway through i didn't have a chance to work on it yesterday but i'm gonna bang a bunch of it out and get through it and um and you'll get your aanp it's with aanp so you get your aanp hours it's automatically documented through them and it's automatically recognized by the ohio board of nursing now just to return back to the the um, externship hours in Ohio, we have the externship hours. I know I've talked about that. I think it was episode three where I talked about uh, talked about that. I could be wrong. I, I don't memorize my numbers, but um, one of them I did talk about it, and it's still unclear. Oh, AAPN's website still has. I think out of the Q and A, three of the Q and A questions are regarding people in their externship that are still in that 1500 hours and don't know if that's going to go away or not and my my concern is knowing how the ohio board of nursing is kind of anti-aprn I, I shouldn't say they're anti they're just not pro <laughs> they, maybe they're just you know complete apathy towards towards us but um 
maybe maybe once we have one license number and they don't have to manage two, right? Maybe the computer when the computer doesn't have to manage two. I just a little sarcasm there. They're not bitter about the Ohio Board of Nursing. I love you guys at Ohio Board of Nursing. If you're listening, don't audit me. Um, but they they um, I have honest feeling that they're going to roll that fifteen hundred hours into the new APRN licenses. The people that get their APRN license after the 4th of, of April this year. Did I say August before? I might have said August. It's April. If I said August, I apologize. This is what happens when you're, you know, crash course memorizing the EHR system in one day because I see another post on Facebook that was talking about um, somebody was talking about their offer, job offer they just got, and they said two weeks of training, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going to be having patients. i got a new patient tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, okay, just do it. To get into it, jump in. You know, don't worry about this training. Training, training, training just slows you down, makes you more nervous. Just get into it. Peel the scab off, man. Just rip the bandaid off. Get into it. Get the pain over with. Um, so that's it for the for the um, Ohio um, rules that that are kind of out there for the hours. So if you guys have questions, PM me. You can always send me an email at jeff at thenpdude.com. Remember to go to my Facebook page at, um, let's see, how do they do it? At thenpdude. Make sure you put thenpdude, not just NP, because I'm not a little Nepalese guy. Um, so you got to use the the, right? It's unfortunately, but that's the way it is. So thenpdude.com is my website. Please like and share as much as possible. You guys are great. I'm having a blast doing this. So keep the ideas coming. I know this one's a, a kind of shorter one for me. I've had multiple people commit to meeting with me just to come over and BS and then back out. Val, you know who you are, and see if she gives me a see if she gives me a comment. See if she's listening today. Um, the other things. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, we talked about buprenorphine training. Yeah, keep the ideas coming. I know people are looking for legal ideas um, and show topics, and I'll, I'll be glad to do those, but we almost have to get to the hypothetical. I can give really general information about things. Maybe the uh, the difference between employee-employer, you know, like as a contractor, what you have to deal with, uh, and your liability issues that change from there. So th- that might be an, an option. Um but let me know what you guys want to hear about, and I'll be happy to do my best to answer that information. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk soon.